Boston University School of Law, recognized for excellence in legal education since 1872. It's the faculty. It's the students. It's the curriculum. It's the inspiration. Preparing students for the real-world practice of law today. Join host Dan Ray, BU Law alum and WBC 1030 radio host in Boston for this edition of the BU Law Podcast. And welcome to the first edition of the Boston University Law School Podcast. I am Dan Ray, and I'm hosting the program. I've been an attorney for many years, a Boston University alumnus, uh, class of 1974. I've also been a uh, journalist, an electronic journalist, both at WBZ Television, now a talk show host at WBZ Radio, 1030 on the AM dial. And I am happy to have been asked to host this program. And I uh, have my own radio show every night on WBZ Radio called Nightside with Dan Ray, if you're uh, listening anywhere around the world, all you got to do is go to WBZ.com uh, between 8 to 12, Monday through Friday, East Coast time, and uh, we stream live. Listen to us. My guest uh, today, this is uh, the initial uh, edition of the Boston University School of Law podcast, is uh, law school professor Jay Wexler. And Jay has been a professor at BU Law since 2001. He got there a little bit after I graduated, and he teaches law and religion, administrative law, environmental law, and natural resources law. In fact, he received the Michael Melton Award for Excellence in Teaching in 2009, earlier this year. He's also taught internationally in Poland and in France. And before he went to law school, uh, Jay Wexler attended Divinity School. I think that's important for you to know that because Jay has written a new book. It's entitled Holy Hullabaloos, A Road Trip to the Battlegrounds of the Church State Wars. Now, in a review of his book, the Boston Globe recently wrote that it works because of Wexler's gift for filtering arcane legal sludge into clear explanations, a keen eye for detail, and his self-mocking, zanily irreverent sensibility. Jay has also been featured in the New York Times and on the ABC News Nightline. I'd like to welcome Professor Jay Wexler. Hey, Jay, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. Well, thanks for us, for joining us. Now, I know this book is a culmination of your interest in the in the areas of religion and the law, and of course, one of the most uh, interesting uh, next I think, between uh, religion and the law. So how did the idea for the book, Holy Hullabaloo's, actually come to you? Well, I'd uh, been teaching church-state law at BU for about eight years and uh, writing about it for all that time. And uh, I sort of got, got tenure, and I had a sabbatical coming up, and I wanted to write a book um, for not just for lawyers and not just for scholars, but for the general public to learn about church-state law and kind of enjoy it. And uh, then I got this idea that maybe I'd go on a road trip. I was reading all of these books by, by other, other authors who had gone on road trips uh, in search of their obsessions. And I thought, well, I have a car. I can, I can go on a road trip. And so, um, <laughs> so I decided to go to all these different places where these cases came from, the cases that I've been teaching about for so long, and then see, who, see the people that uh, you know, were involved in the cases and the places where they came from. And that's well, I, think, I think that's a, such a great idea because it really does bring the law to life. Uh, I know that when you're in law school or practicing law, you're, you're reading all of these, uh, these dry pieces of paper, uh, some of which go back to 200 years. Exactly. Uh, but of course, others, you, you know, you're reading... Uh, appeals court decisions, and it's, it, you have to realize that there's always people involved here. So as you traveled around the country, uh, when did you, you took this road trip? What year or how, how, how long a period of time? It was um, mostly the fall of 2007. And I, I should probably admit that it wasn't just one 
long road trip, uh, though we played with the idea, my wife and I played with the idea of getting an RV or something and just going on the road. It was sort of a series of discrete road trips to various places and fall. Okay. So, so all in all in all, how many uh, stops uh, did you make along this road trip? And and Ah. give me some examples of a couple of the places you went. We're going to talk about some of the, um, uh, the the cases that you talk about in, in Holy Hullabaloo's, but give us an idea about some of the disparate places you, you eventually found yourself. Yeah. I say I I went to maybe a dozen places, somewhere between 10 and 12. I went to the U S Senate because I wanted to watch the, prayers that the Senate chaplain begins every day of the Senate with. I went to Florida to Ave Maria, which is a town that um, uh, is kind of uh, built on Catholic principles. I went to Austin, Texas, where uh, somebody challenged the Ten Commandments that was sitting on the, on the, on the Texas Capitol lawn. I went to Cleveland uh, and <laughs> took part in some Buddhist meditation, which is fun. Well, that'll never hurt you. I mean, at least, you know. <laughs> oh, no, it does hurt, actually. <laughs> it doesn't I mean, really. Yeah, you got the positions you got to sit in for a oh, really long gotcha. time. Yeah, that lotus thing would get me, too. Okay, Yeah, yeah. it was difficult. <laughs> Let's 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 focus on a couple of these just to give folks a sense of the of the book. And let's talk about uh, the the trip you made. I think it was to Wisconsin, and this was a case involving the legal age by which Amos children are required to attend school. Right. So there was a famous case where the Amish didn't want to send their kids to school after they were fourteen, but the state of Wisconsin said you have to send your kids until they're sixteen. And this was in the seventies, early seventies, and. Uh, the, the Amish just wouldn't do it, and the state of Wisconsin fined them, and it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said that the Amish had a, a constitutional right not to send their children to school after the age of 14. Uh, so I went to New Glarus, Wisconsin, which was the town where this case came from, to just take a look at it, see if there were people there who remembered the controversy, talk to people who, uh, see if I could find any Amish people who wanted to talk about it. And and I did so, find the, so, so the case went back, um, Professor, how, what was the year that the case, uh, the, the Supreme Court heard the case? I think it was 1972. Okay, so so again, you're going back, um, uh, what, what uh, 35 years later. So, right. So uh, relatively recent case by uh, by Supreme Court standards, but <laughs> still a lot changes in 35 years, even in an Amish community. Absolutely. For example, there was only one Amish guy left, um, and uh, he was recovering at home uh, from a motorcycle accident. <laughs> so I And I called him on a cell phone. So things have changed in New Glarus. Uh, oh, but wow. he did remember yeah. the case, and it was fun talking to him about it. So, sounds like uh, <laughs> it sounds sounds like the movie um, uh, Kingpin. If, uh, if if you know what I'm talking, I about. do. I do. I have a footnote about Kingpin in my book. <laughs> well, see again, you're you're, you're totally <laughs> so. So the issue here is uh, why would the U.S. Supreme Court say, "Hey, look, uh, they have a right to practice their religion, but there's an overriding state interest uh, in in children being educated." Uh, what was the the legal holding that that allowed the Amish to prevail? Um, it was the Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment, which says that. Congress shall make no law prohibiting the free exercise of religion, basically. And right, but you can't have human sacrifices of your kids no, either, clearly. That's right. You can't have human sacrifices. And in fact, if the Supreme Court were to hear the uh, this the uh, Amish case today, I think it would come out differently because. Um, Although in 1972, the Supreme Court was very protective of religious freedom, religious liberty. By the early 90s, they had sort of changed their tune. And now uh, they look very differently on these kinds of cases. So, so if the case came up today, if, or the identical case came up today, 
um, which wing of the court would prevail? Obviously, Kennedy would be in the middle, but would who who would carry the day? The the Breyer wing or the Clarence Thomas wing? I think it would probably be the Clarence Thomas wing. Uh, although you're right, it would be uh, it would pre- basically as most law is uh, these days, just be up to Justice Kennedy to make the decision for the country as a swing vote. But I, I think I think that the court would would go uh, in the Thomas Scalia. Although I don't know, it's hard to know because Justice Alito is very, very pro-religious freedom, and so so it's hard to know. So there could be there could be a crack crack in the conservative wall. Let's talk about the case down in Texas, where uh, I guess fans um, recited prayers before kickoff. Uh, football in Texas is almost a religion, I guess. So I can understand why you'd want to pray before kickoff. Exactly. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's hard to know where religion ends and football begins. And it was particularly difficult uh, in Santa Fe, Texas, where the school had a policy where the students would elect one of their classmates to give an invocation or a prayer before the game. And it wasn't clear whether this was going to be constitutional or not. There was a previous case from Rhode Island, which held that a graduation prayer given by a rabbi was not constitutional. And so the question was, was this like that or not? And in some ways it was like that because it was government property and uh, the students, many, most of the students were there. But on the other hand, it was different because in Texas it was a student instead of a rabbi. Uh, so it went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court, I think it was five to four, held that this was also non-constitutional. So I visited it and I saw a Texas uh, Friday Night Lights game, which was uh, kind of one of the highlights of the trip. So the prayer was dis- has now been disallowed? Right. The prayer has been disallowed. And, and, and when did that case, when was that case decided? That was... 2000 approximately say, something like that 2000 okay so so that's in, with this in effect although the, obviously there's been some changes in the courts in terms of personnel not necessarily too many philosophical uh, differences we're re- replacing Roberts for you know re- with uh, for Rehnquist uh, or uh, Sotomayor as being replaced for Stevens so there there really hasn't been that philosophical change change of personnel but this case probably would be decided the same way today I think so because um Justice Kennedy is really concerned about the peer pressure that kids feel right. uh, to to participate in this kind of a prayer, and so he has been the the the, the swing vote to decide these cases. I think uh, there, I think there was a case. Was it? I'm not sure if it was a case, but there was um, a school that I read about a year or so ago where the class valedictorian sneezed, uh, <laughs> and the entire audience uh, in unison said, "God bless you." <laughs> and then uh, the ACLU sued. Well, I, I don't know. I think I don't think they had time to file the brief at uh, that point. Usually they're ready. But. Yeah, well, they would have had to really been ready for that. Okay, let's talk about, here's one that's a little bit more serious, at least for those of us who are animal lovers here. Yeah. Uh, a church, I think it's in Florida, uh, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, uh, that engaged in animal sacrifice for religious reasons. Yes, there's a, the Santeria Church. Santeria is a religion that came from Africa to Cuba, and then now it's pretty prevalent in South Florida. And about 20 years ago, a church there uh, decided that they were going to, they would always sacrifice animals as part of the religious uh, practice, but they decided to sort of make it more public. And once once the town kind of found out about it, they, uh, you know, understandably kind of flipped out. And they they made these uh, regulations, which basically banned the Santeria from practicing animal sacrifice, except what they did was they said uh, it wasn't, quite aimed just at the at the Santeria, they, they said there'd be no animal cruelty in this town, except that there were exceptions for all sorts of animal cruelty, like 
spraying um, deodorant in, in, in the eyes of uh, animals or, or, or hunting or fishing or uh, extermination, all sorts of things were, were, were okay. But the only thing that really wasn't okay was Santeria uh, animal sacrifice. And so it was clear that the, that the town had targeted the Santeria sort of for a bill negative of attainer, treatment. A bill of, sort of a bill of attainer almost. It was kind of like that, right. It was definitely aimed at this particular group and it was so clear that that's what happened that the Supreme Court held nine to zero that the uh, Santa Maria had a, had a right to to practice their religion in that case. It, it, very very interesting. One of the, the the points I wanted to make is for those uh, who might read the book, and I know that our audience is mostly lawyers, but um, this is a funny book. I, I, I literally you. enjoyed the humor. You have some what I would consider to be laugh out loud observations, funny observations. Uh, some might see it actually as a little bit uh, irreverent, irreverent, but you always seem to find uh, a, the lighter side. You know, we're told never argue about religion and politics, but you you always seem to find the lighter lighter side in all of these cases. I try to, and I try, you know, I try to make fun of myself as much as I make fun of anything else. Um, the, the goal is, uh, as I think you hinted at there, that I, I think we we would get farther on these issues about religion and government if we if we all kind of settle down a little and, and learn to listen to each other and weren't so strident. And part of that might be to to see ourselves with a little bit more sense of humor, and then maybe we can talk about these issues in a more productive way. So that that's kind of the idea of the humor in the book. Well, the humor makes it. Now, we're going to go to a short break here, but we're going to also hear the theme songs, the Holy Hellables theme song written and sung by Mike Newdow, a California lawyer who sued successfully for a time to have under God removed from the Pledge of Allegiance. He spent all of his days in an academic maze, earning accolades and praise galore. Reading, writing, teaching students, but one day he thought there must be more. Religion was his thing, how it could help freedom ring, but it often had a sting in store. What if he could bring the cases he read to life that he would adore? He threw a suitcase in his car He was all set to travel far For he knew the places he should choose They were involved with Holy Hullabaloo Located in Boston and steeped in 138 years of rich tradition, BU Law is number one in teaching quality according to Lighter Law School rankings and number three in the nation for best professors according to Princeton Review. BU Law, admitting students regardless of race, religion, or gender since 1872 and training them to become leaders in the law. Visit the website and see for yourself at www.bu.edu forward slash law. Now back to the BU Law Podcast with host Dan Ray, a lawyer, a veteran Boston broadcast journalist, and BU Law alum. Uh, welcome back. Um, this is Dan Ray, host of uh, the today's program. Uh, we are here today along with what I consider to be a really great guest, Jay Wexler. 
Uh, Jay is a law professor at Boston University. He's been there since uh, 2001. He's an author and sometimes a very creatively funny author about what most would consider to be some very serious issues of church and state. His book is called Holy Hullabaloo's, A Road Trip to the Battlegrounds of the Church-State Wars. It's um, a very easy read. And uh, we, um, we've been talking with him, and we're going to get back with him now. Professor Wexler, you got the, this mix of you're a law professor, you're an author. As part of a law professor, you're, you're an expert in religion and the law and teaching, where they all come from. What's your background? I, I understand you went to divinity school, actually, for a while before you went to law school. That's right. I've, uh, I went to the University of Chicago Divinity School, although I was studying uh, religious studies. I wasn't studying to be a minister or anything. Um, I, I kind of got interested in religion. Well, I've been interested in religion my whole life, but uh, I got very interested in Chinese religion when I was an undergraduate, and I thought maybe I would teach um, Chinese philosophy or Chinese religion, and that's why I went to the Divinity School, and I thought I'd get up my PhD, but I it turned, I'm not very good with languages, which kind of hurts in the East Asian studies field. So I uh, decided to go to law school instead, but kept my interest in religion and and uh, started looking at the First Amendment and then taught the First Amendment, and that led naturally to writing a book about it. You know, it's funny, uh, on my uh, my talk show, uh, Nightside on WBZ Radio in Boston, I actually have a correspondent in China. Oh, uh, he's an American who teaches in China. He's up at the city of uh, Hunan, uh-huh. which is about a city of about 5 million people, not far from, from Beijing. And he sent me an email uh, recently in which he pointed out that in Chinese public schools, they talk very openly about Christmas, uh, and it, it, this is a society that we normally think of as being an atheistic, closed society. Mm-hmm. He said that there's more conversation about Christmas, uh, and I suppose um, about you know Hanukkah or any other religious holiday uh, in Chinese public schools than there are than there is today in American public schools. Interesting. Uh, very, very ironic. What's your favorite story in the book of all of all the uh, places you visited? Uh, uh, which one was the most fun to do? Was uh, they're, they're close, but I think I think it was the uh, the Amish story. I think it was uh, going out and um, talking to the to uh, not just the one Amish guy who was I called on the cell phone, but uh, but but some some other Amish people as well, uh, and talking about that case. I also, in, in connection with that, was able to meet uh, the one living plaintiff from that case that I was talking about, the Yoder case from New Glarus, Wisconsin. There's one of the one plaintiff. Uh, who's still alive, and he lives in Missouri. And I went and visited him and talked to him about the case. And it was, you know, it was a real honor to meet him. And it was really interesting and talked to his wife, who was great. And I, I, so I, I, I think the whole Amish uh, trip was the best. I think it's interesting that these individuals who are practicing the religion, uh, their religion, as they perceive it should be practiced, uh, that they somehow end up in this this maelstrom uh, and in some cases end up before the United States right. Supreme, exactly. Supreme Court. And, and, it, and, you know, it was interesting. It turns out they, I kind of thought maybe they would be uh, really, really proud of uh, winning that case, you know, and sort of standing up for religious freedom. And they really weren't. Uh, they, they kind of, they, they were happy they won because it meant that the government wasn't going to uh, bother them anymore. But they, because they, it, it, it was like they won a game in some other team's league. It didn't matter that they, you know, won a case at the Supreme Court and they changed the law for the United States. And that wasn't what they were excited or proud about. Uh, they were just happy to get the government off their backs. And it was, it was very interesting to talk to them about how they um, felt. 
of of all of these cases, and we have, I think, some very mixed messages. Obviously, we still have in God you trust on our dollar bill, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, the, uh, the the chaplains for the U.S. Senate still say prayers. Uh, uh, the president of the United States uh, invokes, no matter who it is, Democrat or Republican, you know, God God bless America, and you know, God bless all of you. Uh, so, so we we incorporate God into our political life, uh, and yet there there are these areas that you study uh, where, again, uh, the, 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 the the Ten Commandments cannot appear on uh, on on public ground. We seem to be a little conflicted about the whole concept of religion. On the one hand, we want it to to be practiced freely and on the other hand uh, there are some clear restrictions and some boundaries that we as a society have somehow drawn. I think that's right and I think uh I think it's okay to be conflicted about him. I I I think it's a really hard issue and uh the and it comes up in all these different ways and it just it's very difficult and the fact that the Supreme Court has struggled with it the fact that we as a society struggle with it uh I think that's a good thing. Uh, I don't think there are any easy answers in this area, which is one of the reasons I like it so much. So if it seems like we're like the courts are kind of inconsistent and some, not everything makes sense, I think that that's okay. And I think we don't need to we don't have to criticize the court for not coming up for, with a with a beautifully principled, uh, completely consistent view of the separation of church and state because it's just it's just too difficult to do. You'll, you'll never you'll never be without cases to study at and clearly clearly with the uh, the influx of uh, of an Islamic population in this country there are going to be all sorts of questions about Sharia law which is going to open up an entirely new area for a lot of the legal scholars um, I I understand uh, that uh, th- that you are writing a new book uh, I assume it's in a, on a similar uh, subject here. Uh, similar subject generally. Can can you give us a little bit of a sneak preview? Yeah, this book is, it's not about religion at all, but it's about the Constitution, and it's called, uh, so far anyways, it's called The Odd Clauses, Understanding the Constitution Through Ten of Its Strangest Provisions. And it's about um, parts of the Constitution that people don't really know about, but that are really interesting, and in some cases are really important, or could become important, or have been important. And so, for example, there's part of the Constitution that prohibits the government from giving out titles of nobility, which is a really important thing for the framers of the Constitution, and uh, it comes up sometimes. From, um, and there's another part um, um, about, the, about how the president has to be a natural-born citizen. That's become That's actually been in the news uh, in this last election, presidential election cycle. So, so it's the kind of strange parts of the Constitution and uh, what we can learn about the Constitution from studying them. Yeah, and then, of course, we had the overlooked amendments, the Ninth and Tenth Amendment of the Constitution. We often hear about the one through eight, but Ninth and Ten don't, uh, don't get as much uh, uh, attention. You will, you will never run out of materials, Professor Jay Wexler. That's, that is for sure. That's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> I want to thank you very much for being part of our initial Boston University School uh, podcast. I want to thank also everyone uh, who has taken the time to listen anywhere around the world. Uh, you can find all the editions of the BU Law School podcast right here on the Legal Talk Network. Network on the Boston University School of Law website and also in iTunes. So until the next time, this is Dan Ray of WBZ Radio, Nightside in Boston and Boston University Law School Class of 1974, bidding all of you a, uh, a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to the BU Law Podcast with host Dan Ray. 
Check out what else is happening on campus at bu.edu forward slash law.